0: Hello, and welcome to New Books in Performing Arts, a podcast from the New Books Network. I'm Andy Boyd. Today, I'm speaking with Greg Vargo about his book, Chartist Drama. Greg, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. And, and this book is out in hardcover now, and it's going to be out in a paperback edition in March. Is that right? Uh, that's right. All right. Fantastic. So this is an edited volume. You, you, write, you write a long uh, introduction, but it's, it also includes four plays that were performed or published by the Chartist movement, what got you interested in the Chartist movement and in the role of theater within that movement?
1: Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's a long story because my first, uh, my first book is, is a study of Chartist fiction. Uh, so, so Chartism uh, was, was this re- really immense, um, uh, largest social movement in 19th century Britain for, for political and economic reforms uh, centered around universal male suffrage, uh, but, but it also had uh, this quite wonderful cultural side. Uh, that included over a hundred movement newspapers, um, lots of literature published, I mean, thousands of poems and, uh, and many novels. Uh, and, and so I had studied um, that part of the movement, um, but, but actually my interest in Tertus Drama w- um, arose when I found um, a play that had been long believed uh, not to, to be extant, um, uh, a play about the Newport rising of 1839, which was the, the last um, real mass rebellion um, in, in Britain. Um, and uh, a chartist wrote that play um, in, in the wake of the, of the Newport rising and, uh, m- most scholars had, had uh, believed that uh, copies no longer existed, um, but, but uh, the Columbia Rare Book Room um, had a copy. And, and so kind of finding that place sparked an um, in, in interest and, and kind of, and the more I tugged on it, kind of the, the larger I saw um, Chartist dramatic culture was.
0: Yeah, I, I was not super familiar with the Chartist movement prior to reading your book, and I was very interested in kind of the combination of very radical rhetoric and tactics combined with a with a goal that in some ways seems, you know, uh, I don't know, from a more left-wing perspective, kind of reformist, like expanding suffrage is kind of a classic like bourgeois right, and yet the, the, the language that they use in these plays is like very um, you know, fiery class warfare type language. Um, is that one of the things that kind of interested you in the Chartist movement?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. And and there's, I mean, there's a lot of tensions and, and contradictions within the movement. There, there are different wings of it that are that are more constitutionalist or, or more revolutionary. Um, but I think it's helpful to keep in mind uh, at a time when maybe five percent. Of Britain had the vote, um, it was seen as a demand uh, to enfranchise all adult men um, that, that had the capacity of potentially revolutionizing the whole society. And, and that was certainly the Chartist vision. Um, I, I mean, something like a vision for social democracy. They, they thought um, once uh, working people had the vote, uh, that um, they could put an end to social austerity that have been imposed recently. Cuts to cuts to the poor rate. They they can make factories uh, safer. They can guarantee people uh, living wages. Um, they could and um, kind of certain aspects of the British Empire, uh, particularly uh, the, the act of union with Ireland um, and, and a kind of a whole range of ideas. And, and so that the charter, uh, which was this document with six electoral demands, really um, became shorthand uh, for a transformed social, economic, political
0: and cultural world. Um, they, did they achieve most of their Demands eventually? No, I mean, I, I, mean, I would have to say
1: they, they didn't. Um, although, it, it, obviously, history is long, and uh, the, there is, uh, universal suffrage in, in, Britain today. Um, but, but the Chartist themselves were, uh, were defeated. Um, were suppressed by, um, a, a military force. Um, and, and other. Um, kind of ideological elements um, and so so the, the movement kind of began to peter out um, af- after uh, after 1848 really was the mm-hmm. last hurrah um, I mean the, the year of, of European revolutions with, uh, with whom they made common cause
0: yeah um- I'm definitely somebody who always wants to believe that theater can change the world or can at least play a key role in social movements to change the world. and And on that score, this book was really exciting to read. could Could you talk a bit about how theater kind of um communicated the ideas of the movement or kind of mobilized people uh, for Chartism?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's just it, it, really interesting that the Chartists had. Um, this quite extensive literary culture, but then on the other hand, uh, this is a moment when something like half of the people in um, in Britain um, aren't able to read or write. Uh, though the literacy rates are kind of notoriously thorny. Um, so uh, theater for one thing uh, is, is an art form that allowed them to, to reach more, more people. Um, it was also uh, really the um, probably the most popular art form in, in 19th century um, Britain. Um, and, and so uh, a mass cultural art form. Uh, but, but beyond that, uh, theater kind of had a special place as a collaborative art, as an embodied art, um, it was related to the political theater that, that the Chartists made in the streets, um, that there were, they, they really were a movement um, in Britain, at least, that, that developed uh, kind of elements of protest movements that that we would still recognize, like the, the mass meeting, the simultaneous meetings that it, or rallies that happen um, around the, the country, um, and and so they were they were performing a kind of theater, um, but but I think that they turned to uh, actual stage um, as as a way to to have a collaborative art form um, that that could think about what it means uh, to collaborate uh, and, and to form collectivities.
0: There was a quite um, complicated legal apparatus uh, around theater at this time and place um, that, that prevented comedies and tragedies from being performed without a, without a license, but other forms like farces could be performed. Is that right? Yeah,
1: that, that's right. Um, and, and so what's kind of fascinating about Curtis theater is it is, um, Really uh, coincident with uh, a, a major milestone in in theater history, the, the passage of the Theater Regulations Act of 1843. Uh, so, so prior to 1843, and and for really almost uh, two centuries, uh, there was a monopoly on uh, theaters that, that could perform uh, the, the so-called legitimate genres that, that you just mentioned, um, drama, uh, uh, the tragedy, and, and, and comedy. Um, those regulations were widely flouted. Uh, and uh, the so-called illegitimate theaters were, would perform uh, things all the time, would, would just thumb their nose um, at the, the theatrical regulations. They would perform Shakespeare um, under a slightly altered title or, or add a little song here or there and call it a burletta. Um, but, but nevertheless, um, the, there were statutory limits and, and uh, theaters did risk um, legal action um, and potentially up to losing the, their license um, if they performed uh, w- within those genres. Uh, so, so it's kind of fascinating that um, the, the, the kind of center play in, in the collection is a, a five-act tragedy um, in verse uh, a, about the, the Chartist leader uh, of the Newport rising. Um, and, and so that, that seems to be making um a set of cultural claims um, as as well as as political ones. like what what should be the the domain of of tragedy and and who should have access to it?
0: And I got the sense that some of those cultural political claims were kind of specifically around Shakespeare. Like you you talk about one activist who had memorized all of Hamlet. And it seems to me that like there's there's a certain way that that seems to be saying like, I am just as good as you, you know, noble person. Even though I can't vote, even though I'm I'm not wealthy, I have access to the cultural heritage of Britain, and therefore deserve access to the sort of political uh, mechanisms of Britain. Is that is that kind of part of what's going on there?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and really uh, n- nicely put. Um, Shakespeare uh, is is kind of the, the... People's poet um, for the Chartists, um, and I mean they they do kind of scandalous appropriations uh, of him. They'll, um, it, there's a, a column in the biggest uh, movement newspaper, the Northern Star, um, called uh, "Chartism from Shakespeare," and 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 they'll just excerpt lines from the play that, that seem democratic, or maybe uh, sometimes that that potentially endorse physical force. Um, as as a a potential strategy. Um, And and so uh, there's a real cultural contest of going on on about what's the meaning of Shakespeare um, and and also uh, advancing a a set of claims um, about the the working people, are represented on the stage and and are part of, of the national culture um, and and so uh, should should have a set of political rights a- alongside those cultural ones.
0: another part of your introduction that i found quite moving and i can't quite put my finger on why is is there was a note of one theater company thanking another theater company for loaning them their set to be able to, to perform one of their plays. Could you give us a sense of kind of what types of venues these plays were performed at and, and what types of audiences would have seen them?
1: Yeah, so um, a huge range of venues and there, there are kind of two parts I, uh, to uh, the dramatic culture uh, that I um, uh, try to illuminate. Uh, so, so on the one hand, uh, there's a set of amateur performances, something like uh, 75% of, of the over 100 performances I've identified um, were were by amateurs, uh, just members of, of Chartist groups. Um, and, and they confront kind of all kinds of material difficulties. I mean, there are people who are working probably 60-hour weeks um, in, in difficult conditions, uh, don't uh, have much money um, and uh, are able uh, to to put on um, Hamlet um, or or other tragedies or, or other ta- a whole range of genres, which, which would be interesting to to talk about. Um, and and so uh, there there are a, um, a few accounts left of how those difficulties were surmounted and, and the kind of creative networks that were mobilized. Um, and uh, a kind of a, a, a world of mutual support um, comes to light um, in that uh, where you're doing things like borrowing costumes um, or, or sets. Um, and then on the other hand, uh, and, and those performances would, would happen in, in pubs a lot of the time or in, uh, Uh, democratic chapels, as they they were called, in in Chartist meeting rooms, uh, some of which were were quite large, uh, maybe between 500 and 1,000 people. A few of those actually happened in commercial venues, like the Western Amphitheater, um, which is said to seat 3,000 people, um, and it was uh, uh, played Hamlet played before packed audiences there. Uh, So so thousands and thousands of people uh, were were seeing this play. Um, But but then on the other hand, um, and and just this significant part of the story is uh, especially in London and to some degree in Manchester, plays were being performed at the commercial houses uh, that uh, chartist groups, local groups would go approach, um, working class mostly, but but popular theaters um, and see if they could have a benefit night. And um, these are some of the most important uh, theaters in um, m- early to mid-19th century Britain, like the Victoria, uh, which is still around as, as the old Vic, um, or uh, the the Surrey or the Standard in 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 the East End. Um, but but these theaters in working class na- neighborhoods, and that had has really not been a part of theater history before. Um, and and the theaters were navigating all sorts of um, legal regulations, not just about what kinds of plays they could perform um, in terms of genre, but but also in in terms of theatrical censorship and the, and the politics of plays. Um, but but that the houses were were willing to open themselves. Uh, to this radical movement um, is, is really a fascinating part of uh, mid-Victorian theater, um, and, and one, one that needs to be better integrated um, in, in what we know um, a, about theater history.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the specific plays that you include in this volume. The first one is Watt Tyler, which is by, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, but Robert Suthi, is, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, um, which was written before Chartism. Um, why why do you include that play uh, in this volume? Um,
1: well, well, so the the Chartists kind of performed many plays uh, that uh, just were were part of either a theatrical or a literary canon, um, and and so this is one I- example of it. Um, but Watt Tyler um, it, it was was one of the most performed plays. Uh, and and it's a play with a a remarkable history of its own um in in the history of um, democratic and mass politics um it was written at the time of the french revolution um, in 1794 and and really uh in support of the the french revolution um at a, at a time when it was kind of very dangerous to to do so when, when there was a, a real repression of uh british radicals um, who supported the aim, aims of of the revolution so it wasn't published at that, that moment, um, but, it, but it was uh, published in, in the 18-teens uh, when there was an upsurge of social movements following the end of the Napoleonic Wars. Um, and and it's, it's kind of a wonderful story. Stuffy had become a conservative um, and the poet laureate. Um, by uh, the the mid-1810s, and he was um, furious that it was published. It was uh, printed by radical publishers um, and became a real part um, of uh, a a canon of underground literature. Um, There previously had not been any known performances of, of this play. It was assumed to largely be a closet drama. Um, and, and so um, it's uh, uh, quite cool to, to know uh, that that members of the Chartist movement kind of took it up um, as as a staged piece um, at least half a dozen times um, in, in the 1830s and 40s.
0: I'm so fascinated by this idea that these are people who are staging a play written, you know, uh, sort of 30, 40 years earlier by somebody who's now their political opponent. Did it bother them that Suthi had become a conservative or did they sort of relish the fact that they were kind of throwing his youthful radicalism in his face?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. They relished it. I mean, and and es- especially the kind of original publication context um, relished it. There, there would be kind of wonderful epigraphs of um, of of uh, Suthi on the title pages, um, like you know, where where art thou fled, uh, your youthful self, or something something along those lines, and kind of paraphrasing it maybe a little badly, um, but but kind of pointing out the discrepancy. Or reviews of it um, would would kind of uh, say, you know, is as a, you know, we we now know that he was only going over to the other side as a spy um, and to and to report upon them, because because how how would he you know listen to what he says about royalty and and the pomps of court in this. Um, and and then quote um, some of of the play. Um, Actually in Parliament, um, a uh, 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 left-wing or reforming parliamentarian um, kind of had in his pocket, uh, in his two pockets, um, Watt Tyler, um, and then in the other pocket, um, a recent uh, article in the Tory Quarterly Review by Suffey, um, and and he quoted both of them in the speech and kind of got going back and forth. So, so they they um, had great fun with that. Um, at the same time, um, Chartism was kind of so happy to assimilate um, kind of anything that that they could use in into their um, cultural world, and and oftentimes it, it kind of didn't bother them too much um, if uh, the the political stance of um, uh, contemporary authors um, in in what they uh, re- re- republished. They, they they kind of had a faith in in their readers um, that that uh, that they would make sense of and, um, and could could read the, those works uh, crit- critically.
0: One of the things that I found particularly interesting about Watt Tyler is that the the critique of the monarchy is very much like a class critique. It's it's based on what Tyler's experience of being you know overtaxed and and living in poverty. Um, is that sort of one of the things that would have drawn a, a Chartist audience to the play? That it's it's a kind of political and economic critique, kind of hand in hand.
1: I absolutely. Um, I mean the the. the, 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 the they, they were it was really an inseparable part of, of the movement um, was an uh, in, in economic agenda and, and it was why the, the, the movement what was feared um, just just kind of immeasurable uh, class differences uh, in in the, the 1830s and, and 1840s um, between the, the gigantic portion of ordinary people um, and uh, a fairly, I mean, a quite small sliver of of who is the enfranchised class. Um, There's there's also an anti-militarism in in the play uh, that that spoke to uh, the Chertis commitments. Uh, There was a real side of of the movement that that was pacifist and and that kind of uh, wanted to resist the forming of militias, uh, that criticized various colonial wars uh, that that were going on in especially in, in China, uh, the the First Opium War, um, and in Afghanistan, the the First British Afghan War. Um, there's there's a couple in in the nineteenth century, um, and 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 of course, um, of of course later. Um, it's also uh, the the play is about a strike and kind of uh, I mean it's it's about the. Um, the the Peasants' Revolt, what's commonly called the Peasants' Revolt, but that may be better named, the Great Rising of 1381, Um, and and so it spoke to uh, Chartist's wish to construct a a genealogy for themselves um, and, and a kind of history from below. Um, that uh, so much of Chartist culture, what was about uh, kind of elaborate public dinners where um, there would be an evening of toasting and kind of all all the great heroes of of the past um, would get toasted. Uh, Really fascinatingly though, uh, the the play was actually performed right in the wake of a general strike that that happened in 1842, the the largest strike wave um, in Britain in the 19th century um, in across the coal districts and the cotton districts, um, happened in, in the uh, late summer and early fall of, of 1842, um, and uh, what Tyler's kind of performed in, in the the wake of, of that. Um, so so the the kind of political economic linkage um, is certainly um, uh, certainly a deep resonance.
0: That's As an American, that always strikes me about British culture, that there's just such a long historical memory, that these are events that are taking place 500 years earlier. And you read the play and you, you kind of get the sense that the author assumes that everyone watching it will at least know the kind of bare outlines of this of this rising, right?
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's a, there's a, a real tradition of ra- radical history. Um, I mean, Thomas Paine, uh, uh, Makes Watt Tyler a matter of dispute after kind of Ed, Edmund Burke disparages him uh, in in their debates ab- about the French Revolution. There are there are essentially a, a number of titles like People's Edition. So I mean, it, it just sounds like Howard Zinn, a mm-hmm. people's history um, of something. But but there there are lots of of people's editions. Um, and and I should point out that this that radical accounts. Were very often the the mass media accounts. Um, Thomas Paine's Rights of Man sells more than than any other book um, of of its day. Um, the radical press in in the 30s and 40s, the Northern Star is the best selling or, or at least most read um, newspaper in in England um, for for a couple of years. And and they're, they're kind of disclosing the the possibility um, of mass media markets um, to to others. Um, so. Um, so definitely um, the audiences uh, w- would have some, some understanding. There was occasionally kind of didactic functions or where you might have a lecture on Watt-Tyler that, that precedes the play, um, or it might take place kind of at an, an end of a banquet, um, a, a, pre- a theatrical production uh, and, uh, and in that banquet there'd be other, other um, toasts and, and, and the like, um, other kinds of performances.
0: Uh, you really get the sense that it's a movement that valued uh, oratory very highly and, and the, the spoken word very highly, even in non-theatrical contexts.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of, it, it's funny. Some uh, critics have, have alleged that Watt Tyler in particular um, would, would be difficult to stage. And it certainly would have been difficult to stage uh, in professional houses because of theatrical censorship. Um, But but some critics have said also, um, it's a play made up of uh, political speeches and and that doesn't necessarily make for very good drama, Um, but but it might challenge what we think of as as drama. And uh, for for Chartist audiences, it it did seem to be um, good drama. Um, Another play uh, they, they performed, The Trial of Robert Emmett, Um, after the uh, executed Irish rebel who who led a a rising in Dublin in 1803. Um, The the kind of set piece was Emmett's um, final address to the court, Um, and just a a long but but incredibly moving piece, Uh, and and it... it, accounts of audiences reactions um are, are really extraordinary um as you know the, the audience is kind of re- reduced to to tears by um the, the young chartists uh, embodying Emmett.
0: That seems from, from our con, kind of contemporary vantage point, one of the most admirable things about the Chartist movement is their internationalism and the way that they kind of forge solidarity between English and Irish um, working class people. But also, you know, you mentioned their opposition to wars in China and Afghanistan. Um, how, did, how did plays like The Trial of Robert Emmett kind of help to forge those uh, effective bonds?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question, and I, I really agree that it, it it is a kind of um, really admirable um, aspect of, of the Chartist movement when we um, in, in our in our age of kind of right wing populism and and kind of z- xenophobia, which which obviously um, uh, has has made a a lot of inroads among, among working people in, in Britain um, and and the, the United States. Um, the the Chartist were kind of confounded um, by how uh, to to forge alliances with the the Irish um, who had um, kind of their own traditions of of rebellion, of course. Um, A political leader, um, Daniel O'Connell, um, was a who had had won Catholic emancipation, so uh, the the right for um, Catholics to vote and hold office, um, and and so it, kind of known as, as the liberator. Um, but but he was kind of an anti-radical um, and definitely kind of anti-Chartist, anti-trade unionist, um, and and so. It, kind of his imprint um, made it a, a real um, challenge and, and kind of a domain of, of cultural uh, struggle. Um, but The Trial of Robert Emmett is the most performed Chartist play. Uh, it was performed in lo- localities that, that had uh, um, significant um, uh, uh, populations of, of Irish uh, immigrants. Uh, there are actually advertisements of, of the, the play that, that um, I found um, from, from newspapers and, and that are kind of clearly um, pointed at uh, the uh, Irish people. So uh, there's, there's an advertisement that says, arise, ye sons of Aaron, your, your patriots are gone. Um, and uh, uh, so, so it, it was certainly um, kind of imagined in those terms. On the other hand... Um, the, 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 the kind of romantic martyr um, who sacrifices himself um, as, as a young person um, foot for the, the movement and, and dies for his beliefs. What uh, was a, a very compelling story um, for uh, all Chardes, uh, where um, it, it was a movement that faced uh, r- repeated persecution. Um, it had had a set of leaders sentenced to death. Um, After the Newport Rising, um, though they were spared execution, Um, uh, their sentences were reprieved to uh, a life in penal transportation sent sent to the prison colonies um, in, in Australia. Um, and, uh, but, but it had kind of many members uh, who, who were jailed or, or transported. Um, and, and so um, kind of stories of uh, political victimization and, and repression uh, became kind of widely um, important. Um, and, and many of, of the plays kind of support a European internationalism. Um, William Tell is frequently staged. Uh, Wallace, the hero of Scotland um, is is the the name of a uh, William Wallace play uh, by uh, William Barrymore, um, but but that stage. There's uh, plays about the French Revolution that gets staged, and and so a, a kind of we we see um, a kind of trans-European internationalism um, in in the Chartist movement. It doesn't enter on stage um, so so much um, the, the anti-imperialism, except in terms of Ireland, um, which, which um, it was an essential part of of the Empire, and, and certainly mm-hmm. uh, one of the most kind of important battlegrounds around um, the, the empire in, in terms of uh, the metropolitan world.
0: And th- there aren't actually any uh, versions of, uh, of any scripts of The Trial of Robert Emmett that were performed, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, that's that's right. There, it, it was never published um, uh, as a play um, and it, um, it, it was never published as a play. And so what this volume includes is a prose version of the trial um, that was widely circulating. And uh, the, the prose versions uh, do look, uh, look pretty close to a script in, in a lot of ways. I mean, tra- transcripts of, of a trial, um, in, include testimony of witnesses, speeches by the uh, attorneys, um, uh, a, a closing speech by the defendant, um, and, and a lot of uh, direct discourse. So uh, I think it gives us a pretty good sense mm-hmm. of what um, the, the plays would, would have looked like, um, but um, that that does have to remain, um, to a certain extent, um, a, a mystery. Uh, though, though we do know um, from... Uh, accounts of the trial, uh, uh, um, several of the aspects of of performance, uh, such as the the fact that um, they they tried to reenact the trial in in kind of all its pomp and circumstance with um, a a platoon of of, um, soldiers bringing Emin in and him him wearing chains and appearing before for a judge. Um, And and then certainly uh, the... Uh, final speech, uh, of Emmett, um, kind of taking front and center, um, in, in all the performances.
0: Yeah, certainly there, there is an element of theatricality in any trial. So it's, it's very easy to imagine how this would, uh, this would translate. It's almost an early example of documentary theater.
1: Yeah. And well, and there, there were something like 50 plays, um, about Robert Emmett, um, in, in the 19th and, and 20th century, um, uh, plays and, and movies uh, Dion, the uh, Dionysus uh, Buci um writes a, a, a famous version um, and then he writes the old lady says no is this kind of expressionist play from um, the, the early uh, 20, 20th century of, of, about Robert Emmett So um, a number of playwrights recognized um, its theatricality, um, the theatricality of any trial, um, but, but then also the poignancy um, of, of this person that, that knows he's, he's facing a certain death. The Emmett tri- Robert Emmett was um, kind of immortalized uh, in part uh, because of his relationship with Sarah Curran Um, a a woman he was engaged to. um, And uh, it it seems that he didn't flee, in part, um, but because of that relationship. And and so their their doomed romance becomes a a large part of the story. Interestingly, unlike almost all the other theatrical versions, um, that that doesn't feature um, in in the Tertis version at all. Um, and and it's, it's really the, the, the politics um, of, uh, of the, the case. And, and one can make the argument that Emmett was uh, sticking around Dublin because he, he thought another rising um, might might be imminent uh, mm-hmm. and, and not not just because um, of of his uh, romance.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love the way that these plays kind of upset all of these conventional assumptions we have about what type of people like what type of plays that these are, you know, ma- working class people in, in kind of a mass movement context, watching plays where they say, no, 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 we don't need a love story. Just give us the politics, right? Give it to us straight. right that, That's what they're there for. They want the speeches and they want the oratory and they want the, 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 the passionate argument.
1: Yeah, and, and uh three of the of the four plays are in verse. Um, and uh, so so kind of what want this uh, elevated language and want, mm-hmm. want to make the, the um, kind of elevated claims. So one one of the first plays is, is really a, a gothic melodrama. Um so uh, it, it, Uh, closer to to certain of our ideas about um, uh, Victorian popular uh, drama. Though Shakespeare, honestly, there are accounts of um, Shakespeare plays at at the legitimate theater where um, the the pit and the gallery uh, sites where relatively uh, lower class people would be sitting, um, being full, and and the boxes being sparsely attended. Mm.
0: Um, the play John Frost actually uh, narrates the events of the Newport Rising, um, which is kind of an event that seems to hang over some of the other plays in a kind of subtextual way. Could you kind of talk about how that play presents those events and kind of what's what's the perspective that it takes? Yes. Yeah, so
1: so the Newport Rising um, is, is this crucial turning point in uh British political history, certainly in the the history of the movement of of the Chartists. It's it's the the last mass rising in in British history, as as I mentioned. It's actually also the last um, mass treason trial results from it. Um, Two dozen Chartists um, are are tried. Um, The the rising was um, an event in which Eight to 10,000 armed coal miners uh, descended on this coal port town of of Newport, Wales um, in in the early morning hours, um, likely uh, to to kind of signal, um, to declare a a Welsh Republic and and, and signal um, kind of the beginning of the national, uh, of a national rising. Um, But kind of things uh, go terribly wrong. Um, I mean, from Kind of happenstances of, of weather and failures of different tru- uh, uh, groups of Chartists to meet up. Um, and it, it ends in a confrontation um, with, with really a small detachment of soldiers um, who, who kill about two dozen Chartists and, and injure um, maybe 200 more. Um, and, and then the, the, the rising kind of quickly dissolves. It's um, a, an important turning point in the history of Chartism because there had been uh, kind of certain ideas about the role that that political violence might play, that that armed revolution could play. Um, there, there had been ideas that. Uh, the British military um, would, would never fire on, on British civilians, and and that um, that that the people could kind of easily rise, um, and uh, th- those are re- revealed um, in in part as as naive, and so. Kind of moderating influences um, become somewhat ascendant um, in in the movement. Who say we, we have to um, seek a, a, other paths? So, though though it's very complicated, and and there will be uh, you know uh, supporting a general strike in 1842 is is uh, trying to precipitate probably another revolutionary um, kind of, of situation. Um, but but at any rate, um, it, in that context, John Watkins uh, writes this play called, called John Frost, a Chertis play in, in five acts. And it uh, tells the story of the, the rising through um, the, uh, one of the three uh, leaders um, and one of the three Chertis um, sentenced uh, to death. Uh, and it kind of tells it as a tragedy a really kind of interesting tragedy because it's it's almost an aborted tragedy. Um, like by the end, um, Frost is in in a prison cell alone. Um, and uh, he almost kind of longs for the culmination of a tragedy, but but here he's uh, he's reprieved and is is going to be sent to penal transportation um, to a kind of living death um, and and a death that de- doesn't end um, in in prison. Um, and, and so he, he doesn't even get to, to suffer the fate of, of, of the tragic hero and, and martyr. Um, but uh, really, get, remarkably, Watkins is, uh, at, at this point in his career at least, on um, the extreme left of, of the Chartist movement. And this play, uh, his play um, is a, a brief in support of, of physical force and, and uh, it re- really defends the rising um, at, at a time um, when it is kind of dangerous to do so. Another real fascinating aspect of, of Chartist drama is it allowed um, discussion of, of ideas that, that would be dangerous if, if voiced um, in, in speeches or in print, um, but the, the dramatic element uh, pro- provided a certain kind of, of legal um, pr- protection, um, and it I mean it, it struggles with that. It's it's difficult to make up the Newport Rising, um, a, a an example of uh, uh, where armed rebellion um, might work um but, but it, it kind of wrestles with uh, the, the failure of, of the, the rising um, and uh, try, tries to think kind of what what might be the, the, the way forward um in in the wake of the, the wave of repression the Chartists has suffered um, after Newport.
0: You mentioned the author being on kind of the far left wing of chartism, and there's even a fascinating discussion between him and a socialist where the socialist is saying, you know, your, your charter is never going to, to work. We need to overthrow the whole system. And, and the Frost character kind of responds, well, what we're we're going to do is get the suffrage today and then we'll build socialism tomorrow. Right. There, there's, there's a very close connection between those ideas, at least in that scene.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, so, Owenite socialism um, is a a really important strand in British politics, um, especially uh, earlier in in the 1830s, um, but, but really continuing. I mean, from utopian communities, uh, to um, efforts at, at forming a general union um, that, that are, are quite massive, uh, to uh, experiments in having uh, different kinds of exchanges that, that circumvent um, money and, and try uh, to to have uh, fair labor um, ex- exchanges. And, and so just just a kind of a, a real um, percolating up of, of different, um, political experiments in, in the context of uh, Owenite socialism. Um, in the Chartist movement there, I mean, Chartism kind of becomes this omnibus movement that, that takes on many different um, strands of, of radicalism. And so while it kind of typically, uh, the, the leadership kind of doesn't express a support for socialism um, per, per se, um, kind of in, in uh, local uh, organizations and local activists, um, that there's a huge crossover um, but between um, the, the two movements. Um, and so uh, the, the play has this kind of set of allegorical figures who discuss with Tr- uh, Frost um, you know, what, what would be alternative ways of achieving um, social reform. Um, there's there's a, a teetotaler, you know, someone who uh, preaches abstinence from uh, alcohol. Uh, there's an Owenite socialist, and, and then there's a kind of Whig moderate. Um, and uh, uh, the John Frost kind of makes common cause um, with, with the first two, and and. Uh, uh, it kind of scorns that the 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 moderate who um, many chartists uh, had felt um, had betrayed um, the the hope of reform when after um, a certain expansion of um, suffrage in in the reform bill of eighteen thirty two um, they they had kind of closed the door on um, further reform.
0: Great, yeah. And then finally, could you talk about uh, the last play in the volume, Saint John's Eve, which is the kind of. Uh, to, to my eyes, quite bizarre gothic romance with some radical left undertones. Yeah,
1: it. I mean, it's uh, so. This is uh, the the only extant play uh, by uh, the important uh, chartist, uh, the writer and politician Ernest Jones, and and so kind of uh, uh, students of Brit- British history might be interested in it. Um, for, for that, he, he wrote a kind of huge amount of poetry and, and, and some novels. Published kind of many um, newspapers, uh, but he kind of in his early days, uh, what what he wanted um, very much was to be a playwright. And he had had wrote about half a dozen plays that that he tried to get placed at, at various theaters. Actually, Saint John's Eve was was placed uh, at two. I think two different theaters, or it might have been this and, and another one were, were placed um, at, at theaters, but both of them happened to, to fail um, but before uh, they, they came to the stage. He's um, a kind of gentleman radical and a, and a late convert to chartism, and, and so this comes out in uh, his uh, literary journal uh, that that he, he publishes called the the Laborer, um, and and it appears serially um, in in that over a, cu- a couple of, of issues. Um, it is as as you say this this kind of gothic melodrama where there, there's a kind of um, Mephistophelian figure who's, who's trying to um, seduce um, uh, a, a, the the young hero uh, from. Um, uh, from fidelity to his, uh, or, or from more belief in the heroine. Um, but, but what's kind of quite interesting, and, and this, this is characteristic of a lot of Jones's other work, uh, is that the, the male hero might not be that much better for the heroine um, than the, than the Mephistopheles figure. Um, they, uh, the, that kind of the, the promise of male rescue um, it, it, it maybe doesn't bode that that well. So it, so it has a kind of fascinating gender politics and gender politics that, that are different um, that, than a lot of melodrama. And, and certainly that, that's different um, than um, much of the explicit rhetoric in, in the Chartist movement, uh, which can be um, very masculinist, uh, even though that there are uh, Thousands of women um, who who participate. Uh, There's still a kind of image, self-image of, of Chartism as, as a kind of heroic masculinity, um, rescuing women from the degradations of. Of, uh social austerity and, and and the factory um and and the like though, though they're, they're staging plays that that really complicate that image like there's uh, uh Othello gets staged um by by the Chartists and actually a fundraiser um for the wives of the victims so for for families of political hmm. prisoners um but uh, uh but I Kind of taken aback when, when you, you see that pairing of, of, of Bella with a fellow as, as a play
0: for, for the wise. Yeah, I'm not sure I would make that programming decision if I were in charge of that benefit. Well, Greg Vargo, thanks so much for talking with me about this fascinating book. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you about it. And it was great to read your very uh, uh, informative introduction and, and these plays that I don't think I would have ever encountered anywhere else. So this is, it was a real treat.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for talking uh, to me today.